Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Let's shift gears for just a moment here. Whenever you're ready, I'll take your cue. Welcome to Blinking Red, a podcast dedicated to truth-telling for these uncertain times. Hello, everybody. I'm Dan Rather. This is a defining moment in our country's history. A testing time, the likes of which we have never been through before. Once again, I'm coming to you from our News and Guts headquarters, high atop New York City. I have my tie loosened, my feet up, ready to talk. First, I want to start by thanking all of you who were nice enough to listen to our first episode and subscribe to this program. Look, we're just getting off the ground, and your kind support is greatly appreciated. With respect, we hope you'll rate the program if you so desire, and tell us what you think, either through our website newsandguts.com, that's newsandguts.com, or you can do so on my Facebook and Twitter pages. And again, respectfully, please pass the word. Now, first off today, I want to talk to you about a word that I've used for years that is more appropriate today than any time I can remember recently, and that word is courage. You know, I hear from a good number of people, meet them on the street or see them in airports or cafes. And the one thing that is constant, whether the person is to the political left or right or center, wherever they are politically or ideologically, the one theme that seems constant is uncertainty and fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of just exactly where our country is headed. People all the time tell me of trying to pay close attention to the news, but they don't know what the hell is going on or what's going to come next and whom to believe. Well, to try to put that in some context and perspective, two words that we try to apply to what we do here on this podcast, just this month, we've had our president tell us, almost incredibly, that he sides with Russia's President Putin on the question of election hacking in 2016. denied having anything to do with the election interference in 2016. Every U.S. intelligence agency has concluded that Russia did. My first question for you, sir, is who do you believe? People came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. Then, after the president was slammed at home for this, Donald Trump said that's not really what he meant. He suggested he did, in fact, support the findings of his own intelligence community. And then he reverses himself again and says, well, the hacking was all a hoax.
People, if it's not obvious, this is not normal behavior. And taken to extremes, as President Trump frequently does take it, it can be dangerous for a country. I don't care if you live on the East Coast, West Coast, or somewhere in between. I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrat, mugwump, independent. No one should think that this, what has been happening with the president, is okay. Look, I've said it before and say it again. I'm not left-wing. I'm not right-wing. I'm not chicken-wing. I just try to see things as they are, not as somebody would like for them to be. Now, it's been more than a year and a half of the Trump presidency now, and people on all sides of the political spectrum, many of them, are frankly worn down by it all. It is relentless. What is relentless? Again, let's be candid. Let's say it straight. There's propaganda. Much of it, not all of it, but much of it emanating from the White House itself and from the president personally. And this propaganda, that's the proper word, is relentless. All of us, no matter, again, what our political persuasion, we have to pay attention. We, all Americans, simply cannot become numb to the tweet and the tirades from the presidency. Now, for those of you who are saying, well, that's a little bit strong, I mean, look at the record of the tweets. And yes, the tirades, that's what they've been from the president. Now, President Trump has accomplished one thing in his term. It's that he is in our heads, and that's what he intended to do and what he has done. He's omnipresent. His personality, his ego, his never-ending narcissism has infected the country. And if you think about it, and I hope you will, all the bluster, all the crises are manufactured by President Trump for his benefit. All of President Trump's talk has been about inflating one person, from all the talk about Hillary Clinton's emails to the NFL and standing for the national anthem, when he says the Russian investigation is a hoax, when the president says North Korea has great potential, when he blames Barack Obama for every problem in this country today, well, now you get the idea. Our country's longtime allies are suddenly, in the president's view, our enemies, and vice versa. Dictators, in his view, are friends. But the leader of even Canada is not. Russia tries to hack our democracy, and President Trump invites the Russian leader who ordered it to the White House. Free trade, a longtime Republican Party mantra, has been replaced by protectionism, and we're right on the edge of an all-out open trade war. A footnote, I remind you, that a trade war during the 1920s led to the Great Depression. Think about it. Well, what Republican President Theodore Roosevelt said, speak softly and carry a big stick, is long gone. Now we have instead angry, threatening tweets in all caps. My friends, this country's been through a lot. We've survived recessions and depressions, attacks on our homeland, wars including world wars, 
We've had dust bowls, we've had hurricanes. One man is not going to bring the country down. No president is stronger than the people as a whole. The vast majority of what you hear now is bluster for President Trump's base. This is not so much about policy or actually running a government. It's about the ego of the person who's president. He's a man who feels increasingly threatened by an investigation that is closing in. This is one reason that he concentrates so relentlessly on outright propaganda. All of which brings me back to the word courage. Back to courage, or the lack of it. Question. When will members of especially the Republican Party stand up and say, enough is enough? Listen, there are a lot of very good Republicans in Congress, but they've allowed their party to become the party of Donald Trump. Since the Republicans control both the executive branch of government, both chambers of the legislative branch, and the Supreme Court. There's a heavy responsibility to Republicans just now to speak up and speak out. Even if it is disloyalty to the party of Trump, what about the loyalty to the country? When are they going to put country over party? There was a time when the behavior of a commander-in-chief was checked, checked by our system of checks and balances. The executive branch checking on the legislative branch, the judicial branch checking on both institutions such as the press checking on them. The question is, do we or do we not still have a system of checks and balances that works? I want you to think about it. It's going to be up to the majority of Americans to determine where we go from here. Now, for those who are outraged by the president's behavior, by no means everybody, but for those who consider what the president is doing as outrageous, there is one and only one way to reverse the course even a bit, and that comes up with the mid-November elections. Our founding fathers understood that there was always a danger in our system of government, the danger of a demagogic president, even if they could never fathom the risk to global security that would engender. Nevertheless, the Founding Fathers put in place a government of checks and balances. Now that we've seen Congress abdicate its constitutional duty, it's well past the time that the legislative branch is filled with women and men serious enough to do their job, both Republican and Democrat. I'm heartened that millions of Americans are not greeting this with a shrug or distraction. There is a fight for the future of this country going on. We'll get an indication of how it's going when we get to the November midterm elections. Those of you who have listened to the program before know that I'm a fan of what the Washington Post turns out called the Daily 202 
uh, morning intelligence for leaders. And I gently recommend that if you haven't been paying attention to it, you may want to. It's particularly well-written and insightful. And I quote directly here, the truth gets lost in the tweets. A reminder that if you repeat a falsehood enough times, a lot of people are going to believe it especially if you have 53.2 million Twitter followers, as the president does. The bully pulpit of the presidency and some media outlets that uncritically repeat your false claims. If you have all that, you have a presidency that can keep the public's mind focused overwhelmingly on what you, the president, want the narrative to be. Now, with some of his most recent Twitter offerings, the president has directly attacked not only his political opponents, not only friends and allies of the United States abroad, he's attacked law enforcement, not just the FBI, but federal law enforcement in general. He's attacked the courts. This is something very serious for any president to attack the courts. Any decision that goes against him, He claims that the courts are biased or the courts are unfair. Now, there's been much in the news about this complicated business, and the president has concentrated on it. The business of the FBI and others in the government getting a special warrant from a special court to look further into what the Russians were doing in the election. But this is Another of the president's attacks on the FBI and law enforcement in general designed to undercut the public's confidence in the Mueller investigation. Now, Senator Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida, a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, said that the newly disclosed materials show that the FBI followed the law. So as far as you know, and you're a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, the surveillance was justified. Yeah, I don't think they did anything wrong. I think they went to the court. They got the judges to approve it. They put, laid out all the information, and there was a lot of reasons unrelated to the dossier for why they wanted to look at Carter Page, and that's why they looked at him. I don't think it's broad of any, part of any broader plot. The only plot here is the plot to interfere in our elections by the Russians. And, says Marco Rubio, the FBI followed the legal process by which to do so. Again, I know this is a complicated situation, and because it's complicated, President Trump takes advantage of it to weave a narrative which is untrue. It would be one thing if he were attacking the courts and the FBI and the special investigator on the basis of what's true, but just the opposite. Time and time again, the president has been untruthful. The blunt way to put it is he lied about it. Again, these are very difficult things to say. And I understand that a lot of people just put their hands to their head, either saying, I can't believe this is happening, or saying, look, it's all the press just jumping on President Trump. But read, study, look at the facts. Time and time again, what the president says is untrue. Now, we mentioned earlier about the polls and the fact that President Trump is rising in the polls. Well, some of the most recent polls released show, and this is important, how tribalism continues to heavily shape people's perceptions. A post-ABC News poll found that overall 33% of Americans approve of Trump's handling 
of his meeting with Vladimir Putin, while 50% disproved. Now, a new Wall Street Journal NBC News poll, which was in the field during and after the news conference in Helsinki, indicates that President Trump's job approval rating has ticked up to the highest point of his presidency, 45%. It's very easy to overestimate polls, to overstate polls. But this Wall Street Journal NBC News poll showing that President Trump's approval rating actually ticked up to the highest point of his presidency is significant. A lot of you out there want to believe that President Trump's job approval rating has been going down when, in fact, it's been going up. Now, underpinning President Trump's job approval is the support from 88% of Republican voters. And got this, folks, and particularly those of you who think, well, Trump's going to be easy to beat both in the midterm elections coming up later this year, and then if he runs for election, he's going to be easy to beat. Then mark this very well. President Trump has a job approval rating of 88% of Republican voters, 45% of voters overall. The Wall Street Journal's Michael Bender, who helped run the poll, wrote, and I quote, Of the four previous White House occupants, only George W. Bush, in the aftermath of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, had a higher approval rating within his own party at the same point in his presidency. I'll put an exclamation point behind that. President Trump's job approval rating is going up, it isn't going down, and call special attention to it for those people who think that President Trump is in decline in terms of his popularity and his ability to swing elections. And we don't talk much about the Democratic side of trying to upset the Republican majority, at least in the House of Representatives, much less the still far-off presidential campaign of 2020. But I do want to remark on what a lot of people are calling the civil war within the Democratic Party. This is fairly common for parties on the outs, and the Democratic Party is very much on the outs right now. That if they aren't careful, parties who have lost recent elections begin to fall further apart as they battle among themselves. Nobody can say who the Democratic nominee is going to be in 2020. Some of the names you recognize are Joe Biden is clearly running. You may say, well, won't age be a factor? He'd be, I think, 78 if he were elected in 2020. But Biden is running. But whether you like Vice President Biden or not, I think we need to give him credit for one thing. In recent days, Biden was in Colombia, and he was repeatedly given an opportunity in his appearance there to attack President Trump. Biden never once attacked President Trump personally, didn't attack him for his tweets, didn't attack him for things he'd said. He did express some differences in policy, but he refused to issue any personal attacks on an American president while he, Joe Biden, was standing on foreign soil. You've got to admire that, whether you like Biden or not, and whether you think he'll make a good future presidential candidate as he's tried in the past. This happens all too seldom anymore, so at least let's give Biden credit for doing it this time.
Rebecca Treister writes in a New York Magazine profile, and I'll quote her here, In the absence of a clear favorite to challenge Trump and the Republicans, Elizabeth Warren is emerging as the de facto leader of the Democratic Party, and accordingly, the candidate of the moment for 2020. Unquote. Who knows how long it will last? Again, quote the New York Magazine article. It should have been obvious. She has the progressive vision and drive, the willingness to go tweet to tweet with the president, and that boundless stamina, continuing to quote. Perhaps it was hard in the wake of 2016 to imagine pinning Democratic hopes on another woman. But sometimes you need a crisis, or five, to see the obvious. And this summer's cascade of problems has brought Warren's role into sharper relief, continuing to quote, The question of whether Warren will run for president hangs around here not as a cloud, but like a glittery bubble. She's a special figure because she's a leader, and she might be the leader, unquote. Might be. You may want to think about that. Well, folks, from time to time, we like to give you poetry. Don't leave us here. We're not going to try to lose you on some elite intellectual level. (laughs) And given the timber and tone of the times, maybe we go to Edgar Albert Guest, a great, truly great American poet, and for my money, I think, a bit underestimated. So for today's poetry reading, Edgar Albert Guest, Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup, and he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. Ah, but quit we must. I do want to thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it if you review this podcast on iTunes. For more news, you can visit my website, newsandguts.com, or check out my Facebook page, or go to Twitter. Until next time, I wish you good luck and Godspeed. I'm Dan Rather. See you along the trail. Stay steady.
This podcast was produced by Pippa. It was mixed by Simon Marcus in New York City. Editorial assistance from Wayne Nelson and Madeline Rowe. Music by Lunatic Wolf, Aaron Winfield, Michael Young, and Simon Marcus. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.